0: As I've traveled the world and had these opportunities to meet and work alongside a lot of very interesting people, the question that I keep getting is, how can I create the life that I want? How can I create the brand, the behaviors, the culture that motivate and drive me? This podcast is dedicated to those questions. We can figure out great ways to move forward in life and create a life worth living, a life with purpose and meaning. My name is David Van Welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. We're on today with Jake Fox from Langley, Vancouver, uh, or I'm sorry, from Langley, BC, um, British Columbia born in Vancouver though. Is that right, Jake?
1: Born in Langley, just outside of Vancouver. Yeah.
0: Born in Langley. So born and raised in Langley. And, uh, you're currently in Kamloops in the, the center of action sports in, uh, in BC.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've been spending a lot of time up in Kamloops recently and definitely loving it up here.
0: And, um, we're going to talk about your story a little bit, but just the the highlight reel here is you've been a pro slash semi pro slash going pro uh mountain biker and, and biker and mountain biker for since you as long as you can remember, maybe. It sounds like you've been doing it for a while. Um yeah, you,
1: yeah, it, I was a kid for sure.
0: Ever since you were a kid. And you've got you've had a pretty rough accident a year ago. You shattered a disc and were paralyzed. Um, and you're biking and skiing and figuring things out again. Is that sort of where, tell, tell us where you are right now.
1: Yeah, so I'm just currently still rehabbing from that last injury. Uh, it's been an interesting recovery process because basically all my muscles due to the injury went back to completely zero. Wow. And some muscle groups come came back like relatively quickly, like about a month after I broke my neck, but others took like three months to come back. Mm. So the rehab's been really interesting like some things are back to normal whereas like my chest is still so weak I can't do a push up. Mm. So I have been getting out skiing and biking and stuff but it's just been a lot of kind of figuring things out at the gym and just trying to get back to 100% like where I was strength wise before the injury.
0: And um while well, we're I guess we're all around this so you're like for example your chest things that that are not coming back as fast as you'd hoped will they come back? I mean, do you feel like they are making progress?
1: Yeah, totally. Every, everything is still progressing and everything is working, which is awesome. So I haven't had a standstill in any muscle group yet. So I'm, which is really motivating and exciting because I, at this point, I'm pretty confident I'll make a hundred percent recovery. It's just some things are taking longer than others, but still seeing that progress weekly is super motivating.
0: Well, and I think, you know, it's, it's timely too. I was just, um, I run a business in addition to podcasting and I've been doing podcasting for a while um, because I've been involved in energy drinks and sports nutrition and, and um, different, different brands and products and in and around the direct selling business. But the, you know, the thing that, you know, I was always attracted to is doing the sports, having the adventure, scaring yourself a little bit. And um, one of the things we see in business, especially businesses where you have a lot of of micro entrepreneurs is people will have this great trajectory and then something happens and they have to rebuild um and that's really frustrating right when you've been at a pinnacle it sucks to have something snap or break or fall apart and then uh you got to rebuild i just had dinner tonight with one of our french leaders and it was here in paris and um you know she was she's a very smart lady she's has a great group and things fell apart during COVID and she's rebuilding now. And part of the conversation was, you know, the good thing is now you're wiser. You've done this before. You can rebuild differently, maybe fix some things in the process. So I ripped out my shoulder surfing and had to relearn tennis. And part of the benefit is I got to fix my serve because I got to relearn how to serve. Right. What totally. are some of the things that you're rethinking or reworking or, you know, you're reimagining as you're rebuilding your, your body and your, your, your sports. Um,
1: one thing I can that initially comes to mind is like growing up mountain biking you know getting to like learn a trick is like so exciting and motivating you know and now I basically get to relearn every single trick like the muscle memories there but now for me like first time I'll do a no-hander is going to be like oh my god the stoke is just as, as real as the first time I did a no-hander because through that whole experience I wasn't sure if I was ever going to be able to ride again So now I get to like relearn all of the biking moves again, which will be super fun and exciting. And then also just like rebuilding myself, like as a healthier person, I'd say maybe a year before I broke my neck, I'd really like dove deep into like what a good healthy diet can do to you and proper exercise and good sleep, all, all sorts of everything about being a healthier person. Partially just because I think I've matured, you know, when you're a teenager, you're not really concerned about healthy eating and stuff like that or whatever. But now it's crazy how much like, because my body is in such a recovery mode, I noticed the effects of like not eating healthy or not getting a good night's sleep, not drinking enough water, tenfold to what I did before. Right. And that's a super cool experience as well. Just to like all those ideas I had before I broke my neck, this has just really solidified how important all those things actually are
0: reinforcing all the things, all the habits you need to build yeah. in order to to get to where you want to be. Totally. What, tell us a little about, about what you do. So I know that, uh, t- tell us about your, your story a little bit. So you, you've been, um, mountain biking, skiing. I saw some of your ski videos on your, on your, uh, your Instagram. You also work. Um, tell us a little bit about your life. Like what, what, where do you tell us where you're, you're born and raised, how you got into biking and skiing and, uh, and how that landed you where you are today.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. So growing up in just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, like it's pretty hard out blows me away when people don't get into one of the action sports, you know, mountain biking, skiing, just cause we have it all so easily accessible to us living in Vancouver.
0: Yeah.
1: So just grew I grew up just biking with my buddies, you know, around town hitting the local dirt jump spots, whatever, nothing serious about it. And then in high school, actually we joined all joined this bike club, that I don't know the mountain bike club we're all in grade a we were super fired up on it and it was this old 70 year old gray hair guy and we're like oh this is gonna be kind of I don't know if this guy can mountain bike whatever and then he took every single weekend this guy would load up his car with all our bikes take us all around Vancouver and just blew our minds with what mountain biking was and because we were just trapped to the local spots around Langley so this guy took us to all these new skate parks, downhill tracks, you name it. He'd drive us up to Whistler on the weekends, so that really lit a fire for me and all my buddies. And, like, and we, like, like, Whistler's an hour and a half away, right? Yeah, two hours away. He'd two schedule. He'd drive us to the foam pit up there to practice or to go downhilling for the weekend. Like, Mr. Simpson. I don't know if you're listening to this. I was, I was, yeah, I was going to ask you what his name is. Mr. Yeah, Simpson. Yeah, Russ Simpson. He was he was a resource teacher at the high school and. Yeah, he was the man. He definitely showed, opened the door for mountain biking for us. And if it wasn't for him, I'd, I don't think I'd be nearly as into it as I was. And then, yeah, so we were just riding with him on the weekends. Then we all got our licenses. A lot of my friends discovered cars and thought they were more cool than bikes. Our whole plan always growing up was, oh, we're going to get trucks and then we can drive to the bike spots ourselves. But a lot of my buddies fell off. So a couple of years, it was kind of, I lost, I didn't lose the passion for it, but just didn't really have a scene to ride with. And then this indoor bike center in Maple Ridge, just close outside of Vancouver as well, opened up and it kind of brought all the guys that were in my shoes, like a lot of their friends had dropped off just cause getting jobs, going to post-secondary and stuff, can't keep the, just not riding as much. And like, we all met at this location. the air rec center in Maple Ridge is called and that really like bringing that friend group of riders together was so huge for all of us and then from there we just kept biking and riding together and that's brought me to where I am today awesome so so where are you today uh I'd I'd consider myself a semi-professional mountain biker I guess I have a couple very thankful sponsors that send me some free gear every year for content on the internet and videos and photo shoots and whatnot. Who are, who are those sponsors? Uh Chromag bikes. They were my first ever sponsor. They believed in me from the beginning. And when I was always a young kid, I was always like, man, if I could get on Chromag bikes, that would be <laughs> the sickest. And then sure enough, they were my first ever sponsor and I was like losing it. I'm like, yes, these, and I, <laughs> So, yeah. And then from there, I also gained, uh, Nolly bikes. They make like uh, downhill bikes. They're based out of Vancouver. They sponsored me last year. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. The season I break my neck, so I didn't get to do too much for them. Yeah. And then also supported by census grips, a rider owned company in the States, uh, rider's eyewear sunglasses company and bloodstone clothing brand that one of my friends is one of my friend's company but yeah, it's, it's amazing because all those sponsors have stuck w- with me throughout this whole process and I, I can't thank them enough.
0: That's huge. Well, I think it's part of their story too, right? They totally. They're, yeah. They're, they're with you. That's not just a, it's not just a grab and go.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: yeah, No, it's, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier. I lived in Laguna beach for a lot of my life and, uh, we've got a lot of big mountain bike commuting down there. We've, uh, Richie Slay is a good friend from Camloops, and, uh, yeah. The guys from Crank Brothers are all good friends. Um,
1: that's wild. That's there's,
0: but there's a whole crew there, right? There's the Rads, and there's uh we got Hans Ray and a lot of really interesting folks in, in town who cool guys my age who still around. Oh geez, the pioneers. Oh geez, the yeah. pioneers. So um, so fast forward to last year, you're 23 years old. It was nine, it was 2021.
1: Yeah, yeah, 23.
0: 23, you're 23 last year.
1: Yeah, last year, now I'm 24.
0: And you, you were practicing some tricks. It sounds like or some new, 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 actually, not, oh, tell us what happened. Cause I, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to yeah, yeah, try and get ahead good. of it.
1: So going. I'd say my 20, 2021 season was by far like the best I'd ever been feeling on the bike. Like did some contests was just like feeling the best I ever have. Land that new sponsor was super motivated or Sorry, the sponsor came later. I'm getting ahead of myself. But I unfortunately ended the year of 2021 breaking my leg, filming a video part, mm. which was kind of a bummer, but I came off of a good season and the leg healed great. So how I came you, the, how, how how did you break the leg? Oh, I was I was filming a bike video and did a flip no-hander and just got a little squirrely and just put my leg out wrong crashing. And I broke my tibula, but it was a pretty clean break, so it wasn't anything I mean, as minor as breaking your leg can go. It, it was yeah. it all feeled really fast and really well. So then going into the going into the 2021 season, I was feeling like super motivated to I landed that new sponsor. So I was like feeling good on the bike, had already done a couple good riding trips. And then my friend in Langley, a new up and comer, Chance Moore, he's like future slope style. He's he's gonna be insane. He already is. He got an airbag landing for his, uh, backyard. So basically what that is, is it's a inflatable landing. Usually people will ride just airbags, which is like a big pillow you land into, but this is actually shaped like a landing ramp. And I was always a little hesitant to ride them. I just wasn't really too sure about it. I was, I was kind of a little nervous going into it, but my friends have been riding it a couple times and There was a session going on. I showed up late without my bike, and all my. I didn't really feel like riding that day. I should have trusted my gut instinct. Of course, learn learn that now. But of course, the buddies like go get your bike. Come on, you could get an hour in. I'm like, all right. So I go get my bike, and I wasn't even doing anything crazy. I'd maybe done a couple warm up jumps, and then just did a backflip, tuck, no hander, super stock trick. Been doing it for years, and. I just fumbled my hands on the landing. And then as I was fighting to get my hands back on the bike, I finally got them on. And then when you ride off of the end of an airbag landing, there's like a little bit of a drop you have to be kind of ready for. And by the time I got my hands on, I was just leaned right over the handlebars. And just from that, my body positioning, it sent me over the handlebars straight onto the top of my head that compressed my spine and blew up my c5 vertebrae in my neck so it was yeah yeah it was pretty wild i was didn't go unconscious at all which was kind of crazy and then just laying there you know every action sports athlete's worst nightmare is the holy cow i can't move any of my limbs from the neck down yeah it was a it was a pretty gnarly experience for sure but it was really weird because I always had sensation. Like I could feel my toes and stuff still, but yeah, no, yeah. But no vacuum. mobility.
0: Yeah. Well, that's no
1: yeah. At all. Yeah.
0: And so what happened then? Did, they, did you, did they, your friends call an ambulance or so, what?
1: Thankfully like I owe a lot of how well my recovery has gone to, to the next 20 minutes that mm. happened. So my friend Chance's dad, Super weird coincidence. Never really likes watching his ride. Just decides today's going to drive up the hill. As he's driving up the hill, is when I'm crashing and saw the whole thing. And he has lots of uh, paramedic history. Mm-hmm. He instantly runs over and throws me in C Spine. And if anyone is listening, I tried to, yeah, 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 yeah. Like if, if you if you ever see someone go down hard with the neck, like, and they hit their head, just cease spine them right away until you know. Because that, and that's
0: where you're you're basically cradling, right?
1: Yeah. So you just brace the head and the neck and don't allow it to move at all. Yeah. So from the moment I crashed till the ambulance showed up, I did not move at all. And I'm, I'm dead convinced that's one of the reasons why I am so fortunate with my recovery because all of the nerves that run down your spinal cord and connect to the rest of your body. If you're moving around after you've broken your neck, you're just piercing more nerves. Right. So thankfully he was there, C-spined me, got my helmet off, had me in C-spine and then he was going through, he got one of my friends, he's like, okay, hey, what toe, what toe is he grabbing? And I was able to tell them which toes throughout all my toes. And he's like, honestly, man, I think you're going to be fine. I think you just pinched a nerve in your neck or something. And I'm like, sweet. Yeah. I'm sure a couple days, no problem. I'll be back, whatever. <laughs> but unfortunately that wasn't the case.
0: But well, fortunately you can, I mean, when I, when I first read your bio and then I clicked on, and I went from reading about your accident to just clicking on your, your Instagram feed. Yeah. And, and I thought I was going to be looking at the story of, a you know, a paraplegic or quadriplegic who's doing some sports or something now. And then I saw you were actually skiing and you know, you're, you're skiing well, um, obviously you're getting back to probably what you used to be, but you're skiing pretty well. I was like, oh my gosh, you must, have, <laughs> you must've been able to read. And then I read the rest of your bio and it was, it was actually, uh, very reassuring. It's nice to hear the success stories when people are coming back out. Yeah. So, um. So you, so you, how long? So you, you went to the hospital, and the, did they have to do surgery? What was the, what we kind of the next? What was the process from there?
1: I got transferred to a hospital in New Westminster, just outside of uh, Vancouver, RCH, and they did a CT scan, where they discovered it wasn't wasn't just a pinched nerve, and in fact, I blew up my neck at C5. So then from there, they ambulanced me to VGH where. Thankfully, living in Vancouver, they have one of the best, like, spinal teams in the country, I've heard, apparently. Yeah. Oh, I I think it was uh, 16 hours after I had crashed, like, the following morning. They got me in for surgery. And so, basically, what the surgery what went down in the surgery is they cut open my neck right here. They went in. They cleaned up the broken C5 bones. They put a metal cage in to replace my C5 and then fused it to my C4 and C6 vertebrae, the upper and lower of the two. And then the crazy part is the bones that they got from the C5, they crushed them up, put them in the cage. And then for the next week cranked my blood pressure. So those bones would reform and grow in my neck. Like it's so crazy. science wow. blows my mind. Yeah. And then yeah, the surgery went super well afterwards and my parents were like, they heard that they were obviously, I, I don't even want to know what it was like for them going through this whole scenario. They had been up all night waiting with me and then they see that they actually ran to the surgeons in like the cafeteria for breakfast the next day and they hadn't heard anything yet. So they run over and they're like, Oh my gosh, how, how did the surgery go? And they're like, Oh yeah, it went super well. And they were like, sweet. Like, so when, when's he going to leave here? And they're like, Oh no, your, your son, you know, the surgery went well, but he still only has a 5% chance of ever walking again. And they were, whoa, yeah, not hit hard.
0: Yeah. And you were saying that, well, so, so then, so (laughs) I don't want to ruin your story. So they find out that your odds of walking again are not good. Um, Did anyone tell you that?
1: Yeah. Uh, I, the two days after surgery are a little fuzzy for me, I think just because of probably the medication they had me on in the pain meds. But as soon as I, like, from what I remember, I, I remember bits and pieces of those first two days and it was all like just crazy, you know, like just had neck surgery. And then I think it was the third day post-surgery when they told me like how low my chances were of walking again. And, yeah, that was a tough pill to swallow. I think it was. I was probably defeated for about an hour or two. Like I was really sad. Like broke down, crying the whole nine yards. But then after that, I was like, "Well, being bummed and sad about this isn't gonna help anything. Let's do that five percent and let's get to it." You know. So you're yeah. saying there's a chance. Right? Yeah, it's, 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 there's a chance. You know, it's not. It wasn't a the proper medical term. It wasn't a complete spinal injury. I okay. was incomplete, So uh, there was a chance to gain function back, but how much function, what that would look like was all completely unknown because the crazy part about spinal or injuries is that no two cases are alike. Every single, you can't look at someone who broke their C5 even a month ago and had the same surgery and be like, oh, he made it this far. I'm definitely going to make it that far. Every single scenario <laughs> is completely different, which is crazy.
0: Yeah. That's wild. So you, so you, um, so you started doing rehab then fairly soon after that? How how does that process work?
1: I was in the, so I was in the hospital at VGH for three weeks, just under actually two and a half weeks. And those were pretty rough for sure. Because I, all I had was my arms Mm. at first and my left toe and that's it so no fingers no hands just arms and the left toe and just stuck in a hospital bed and the one of the gnarliest parts about the whole thing actually is they had to because they did neck surgery from the front they had to pull my windpipe and like esophagus and everything to the side to do surgery so I wasn't able to swallow or drink so they had to put a feeding tube through my nose oh wow unpleasant huh the worst part of the whole thing probably because basically they have to shove a tube through your nose and then it hooks all the way around and, and then in, yeah. in the esophagus but it took four nurses like 45 minutes to hit the esophagus it kept going in my uh, windpipe uh, and then just the sensation of it going if anyone's had a uh, covid test it's like they just keep going past yeah, that yeah, but, yeah. But then even once it ran, like I, I'm a person who loves to cook. I love food and I love drinking water. And for two and a half weeks, I couldn't eat, couldn't drink, nothing. So it was basically being parched for two and a half weeks and hungry and never meeting that sensation was, was, yeah.
0: Generally unpleasant.
1: Yeah. And then the whole, the whole catheter situation was horrible too, but I don't have to go into details. About <laughs> oh God. But yeah, so after two and a half weeks, I was fortunate enough to get transferred to GF strong. One of the best spinal cord rehabilitation facilities in Canada, which is actually only a couple blocks away from VGH. And then from there is when physio really started by that point, I had movement in my left leg, Most of my muscles were working. My left hand was kind of starting to work and I had right toe movement. So it was looking pretty good. Like I was gaining stuff every week. And then the team at GF was just incredible. Like they have all the best facilities. I had a dedicated physio lady and occupational therapist. And yeah, I can't speak highly enough about GF Strong and what they do at that place. They make miracles come true for sure.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. That sounds like they're a great, great company. And at this time in your life, you're what, what, what's, what's, what style of mountain biking are you competing in?
1: Um, So I'm doing, I was competing in slope style. So for people that don't know that is you do a run, you do two runs down a course with different obstacles, jumps, drops, and you get store scored on your trick selection how clean you do the run and like your style throughout it. And then you get one score and you usually get two chances to do it. So I was competing in slope style and then filming videos on the downhill bike as well, sort of free ride af- aspect of it. And yeah, so that was, that was my main area of mountain biking at the time before the injury.
0: And if you're doing all of that, um, how are you earning a living if you're just getting. Um,
1: oh yeah. Equipment? So on, Yeah. I was always, uh, I always just worked at a high school. Like I worked towards, I was an electrician just because when I graduated, when I was in grade 12, all they, the high school system really pushes you to go to post-secondary. But I was like, I have no idea what I want to do when I'm older. Why would I waste time and money at school if I have no clue? So I just worked towards a trade because I was like, well, the school is only 10 weeks a year and then the rest of the year I make money so then I can do fun things on the weekend and ride. So I was a full-time electrician and got my red seal, uh, ticket two years ago now. So I always worked full-time, but thankfully my company was always super rad about giving me time off for bike trips. And they, they were awesome throughout the whole, like my whole career.
0: So when this accident happened, were you able to keep your job?
1: Yeah. So thankfully they've kept me employed and I was on like medical EI for the first little bit through my accident and then they put me on a sort of wage indemnity. So like a sickness sort of benefit package thing. So I've been making a little bit enough to get by until I'm ready to return to work, which has yeah. been awesome. So just giving me like, it's hard. I think I'm get, almost getting there, but I want to capitalize on as much time as I have to just dedicate my full day to getting strong again rather than going to work 40 hours a week and then trying to find the motivation to go to the gym after, you know, so I do plan on returning to work in the late spring. I'm hoping,
0: but
1: yeah, for now, I've just been just rehabbing every day.
0: And is that something that the Canadian government helps subsidize or or helps to take care of? Or is that, how does that work? So
1: the first, the first um, six months I was on a Canadian government benefit called medical EI. So if you get injured, sorry, the first three months, actually, if you get injured at all, you can hop on medically, which is a government subsidy. Mm. And then this was just something that my union electrical company offered after. So for up to a year, I could be on wage indemnity. <laughs> I'm super like, thankful for because because yeah. it's super stressful to not have any income coming in. Throughout oh, be,
0: the it would ruin people. It's just, it's amazing yeah. that you have all those. I mean, you think about all of the things that come together. I mean, bad things happen, right? Just, um people have accidents, whether it's riding a mountain bike, driving a car, slipping on the sidewalk, lots of bad things happen.
1: But the fact that you
0: had a safety net to protect you and and help you get through this is, is in having the resources, having the paramedic dad, who's there. I mean, there's just a lot of things that came together to make it all make it all work for you right now. It's awesome. And
1: also like, thanks so much. Thanks to everyone. There was a GoFundMe created while I was in the hospital and just the generosity from everyone on there was mind blowing. Like, cause that early on, like, I don't know, we don't have a ton of money, me and my family, but we were thinking, okay, we're gonna have to get a wheelchair lift and put it in the house. We have to get a wheelchair bed, like a wheelchair, all these things. And just the unknown costs of the whole situation was very stressful for my family. Like they were like, okay, we're gonna have to sell the house and buy a rancher, you know, like, mm. <laughs> not gonna be able to walk upstairs ever again. But wow. the generosity from that GoFundMe and everyone that donated and reached out, like, I can't thank everyone enough for that. That Just that initial safety net was just such a good peace of mind to focus on just getting better in the hospital yeah. and not stress about, oh man, like what am I going to do? I can't afford a wheelchair or a new house or, you know, all that sorts of thing. Yeah. So what
0: was the, you know, so you're, you talked about how you're, you're, at this, I mean, this is a low point, right? This is probably one of the biggest low points of your life. You've discovered that you might not walk again. You're in yeah. the hospital. You've, I mean, you're just, man, life is, life as you know, it is pretty much over. Yeah. Um, this is the ultimate rebuild, the ultimate reset. What was the mindset that you embraced? You know, you said the first hour was pretty rough. You're at the, you're not, there isn't a mindset. You're just melted going uh-huh. like, man, dude, what's, what, why, where am I? How did you, how'd you get yourself out of that
1: hole? Um, I don't know. I think a part of it's being a pretty stubborn person. Like I'm for sure going to be that 5%, which I, yeah. I definitely didn't know for sure, but just being like positively stubborn and then just having a pot, my, my like whole idea through the whole thing was, well, especially the early days in the hospital when I couldn't really do any physical rehab cause nothing was working. I'm like, well being the least I can do is be in a positive mindset and give my body like being stressed out and negative is so taxing on the body and the mind. And at least just having a clear positive mental state was all I could really do to give my body the most fighting chance it could. So i just also, I think from being injured previously lots, like in the sport, I don't know, I've had the list goes on of injuries just with that experience of how to combat an injury and being at that low point like really focusing on the little victories each day and mm. just staying positive throughout that whole process really helped me it was like the warm up rounds to the final match you know like this is the big one and all these previous injuries had helped me get the mindset that i needed to really really beat the odds on this really serious injury and try and stay positive the whole time so even if it was like oh i wiggled my finger like this today like yes you know biggest win ever but just really focusing on the little victories staying positive that was all i could do and that's kind of how i kept it going the whole time and i think because i was fortunate enough that i did make a fast recovery most people with my scenario don't see anything until the six month mark mm. and at seven months and I'm skiing and biking. and thank like so thankful, but even after two and a half weeks, I was getting new movements and stuff. So that was really awesome and yeah. really motivating. Cause every day I got, I gained a little bit of something and I was just like, okay, nice. Let's see what tomorrow's going to bring. You know?
0: Yeah, no, that sounds, sounds like it really, uh, I mean, you're fortunate that your body was recovering quickly, but you also had an amazing mentality that came with it.
1: Yeah. Does,
0: does that, um, does that still kind of stick with you today? Do you have a different sense of gratitude for? Uh,
1: oh yeah, man. Everything. Like <laughs>
0: you,
1: when you see someone, cause I got a taste of the wheelchair life. I was in the chair for mm. two months or so. And yeah. when you see someone in a wheelchair, you just think like, Oh, they can't walk, but it's so much more than not being able to walk. Like, everything from bowel and bladder function, just like the stuff you go through just gave me a whole new respect for life and appreciation of like, wow, life is short and like, just so thankful for the recovery I made and just a new appreciation for everything. Like the amount of joy going for a bike ride on the sidewalk can bring someone. Uh, Yeah the amount of joy, even going for a walk with my dog, you know, like just getting everything taken from you and then getting, gaining things back slowly is just, yeah, it's giving me a whole new appreciation for everything.
0: It's sort of like getting out of jail in a way, right? Like you're straight
1: up. That's a, I've never thought about it like that, but that's a great comparison.
0: Getting your freedom back. Yeah. Yeah. mobility and movement. It's amazing. It's amazing. What, um, if, if you were talking to somebody, let's say that, you know, so I always like this, I, I love these stories. Because it's so extreme, like you had everything taken from you, the things that really matter, your health, your mobility, the ability to do the things you love, you know, in, in, for example, in business, it's, it's still, you know, people argue about, oh, this is just a 1% problem or different things like that. And it's like, well, yeah, but if it's your problem, it's kind of the only problem that matters, right? Um, But there are degrees of difference when, you know, when people are running into obstacles throughout the day or they're, you know, they worried about rebuilding a business or, you know, starting in start, or whatever it is, when you have little things like that, that, you know, still matter, I'm sure you're still driving in traffic or whatever, you know, you might, you know, get emotional or have a, have a reaction that, <laughs> that isn't your favorite. But, um, do you have things that, that you use little like, uh, tools to remind yourself that, you know, this isn't the I, end of the world. We're going to be okay.
1: Totally. I I think a lot of people, especially with everything going on in the world these days and how crazy everything is and everything's just like getting so fast paced and so high tempo. Like people, if you're feeling stressed out or anyone's feeling stressed out or sad or negative, I think just taking a sec and just taking it all in, being like, wow, I'm here. I'm healthy. If you are relatively healthy, I live in a beautiful place, just like stopping and taking a couple of deep breaths and just really taking it all in and just, Really focus on the gratitude and the positives, and not the negatives of however bad your life can seem at that moment. I don't know. I I'm a firm believer. There's always something. There's always something good. You know, It'll just find that silver lining and just just take a sec to really appreciate that and be like, wow, okay, not everything is that bad. You know, I've I have a healthy. I'm I have a family. Whatever it is, you know. I for me, it's so easy being in BC because I can just stop and take a look around and be like, I live in one of the coolest places on the planet. Like I'm so fortunate, you know, but I think that, that just alone, just taking a sec to really think about the good that you have in your life could really benefit a lot of people.
0: No, I think that's huge. And, you know, regardless of where somebody lives, right. I mean, BC is beautiful. Condo up in Whistler, I love it up there, but there's, a you can find beauty anywhere you are. And I think the, you know, focusing on what you want, focusing on the little, the little wins, the small benefits. I think when, when things have had a huge reset you're like, oh no, where am I now? I think to your point, like, okay, but what's the next step forward? What's the next piece of progress? Where can I go from here? What is working? What is okay? All those things. It takes discipline. It's not easy because everything's crushing you. But, um, I think that's some amazing advice and, uh, you're, you're 24 now, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. 24.
0: It's got a big, you've got a long road in front of you.
1: Yeah, I know. uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're just, you're just rebuilding. So you're in Kamloops today?
1: Yeah, I'm in Kamloops just trying to get strong again. Like I said, just trying to rebuild all the muscle groups back. And I'm really hoping if things keep progressing as fast as they are, I'm hoping to get back on the bike and ride this year and, you know, just, I'm not sure if I will ever be where I once was on the bike, but I'm same thing. Just going to take it day by day. And, you know, if the confidence comes back and sweet, let's, let's go. But if it doesn't, I'll be just as happy riding the super mellow trails as I was once getting super gnarly with all the boys. So yeah, one there's the one thing that has been a bit, uh, I wouldn't say frustrating, but, uh, sort of unknown is because now my three vertebrae and my neck are fused together, there's less give mm. between them. Mm. So now some, some doctors told me like, you have a way higher chance of rebreaking your neck again. You should probably stop doing the things you do. But then you have other doctors saying, well, I don't know your chances of rebreaking your neck are that high. And if those are your passions, you shouldn't give them up. Mm. I've tried to do endless research because I'm a numbers person. If it was a 50% chance of re-breaking my neck again, then maybe I would tone it back, like, you know, just keep it pretty chill. But if it's only a 20% chance or 15, then life's too short, you know, let's, let's get after it. So I've been trying to, I've been trying to research and if anyone knows, feel free to reach out to me and give me your medical advice. But yeah, I've just been for now, luckily I'm fortunate enough, Liet neck braces has uh hooked me up with a neck brace for this season to ride and those help isolate the c vertebrae in your neck oh, so cool. i think that's a really good starting point so it's it reduces the impact to the vertebrae that are fused in my neck so i'm hoping that that alone will help me out and give me the you know i don't know i don't want to ever break my neck again so fingers crossed on that but can't thank liette neck brace is enough for that like sending me a neck brace and getting me sorted there that's just good confidence to get back on the bike, knowing like, even if I have a dumb crash, I'm not necessarily going to break my neck again. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, no, I, I'm not a doctor. I have no idea, but, uh, <laughs> I, I hope to get to follow your passions and do the things that you love. Cause I think that's
1: probably, I, I probably think one of the most
0: important things in life.
1: Yeah, totally. That's what this whole thing taught me as well. Like life's too short, you know, you get everything taken away. It's been a, it's, it's been, yeah, it's life is way too short. not to. Go for and do the things you love every day. So even if I do have a slightly higher chance of re-breaking my neck again, well, I don't know. I'd rather not live in a, live in a shell than, you know, (laughs) get after it again. So. Well, I'm
0: sure you'll figure it out and I I hope you, uh, hope hope it all comes back and you have a safe way to, uh, to keep pursuing the things you love. Yeah, totally. Huge pleasure, Jake. Thanks for making time today. And, uh, I hope Camloops is looks like it's sunny outside. Looks like it's a nice day.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I'm hoping for an early spring, not going to lie. I'm hoping to get <laughs> back on that bike soon. The snow on the ground could in town at least get away soon and we <laughs> get back out biking. So it's been really warm, fingers crossed, hopefully a month out. So yeah, get thank you so much for uh, having me on your show and, yeah. If anyone, if anyone wants to reach out, if anyone's going through anything, any similar, like whether it's a neck break or any injury or anything, feel free to hit hit me up. Like, don't hesitate to reach out. And
0: What's be the best way for people to reach you? Is it on your Instagram?
1: Uh, probably through my Instagram. Yeah. I'm just fake.jox on Instagram. My name backwards, pretty easy to remember. So
0: F-A-K-E dot J-O-X.
1: Yeah. And, at Instagram. Uh, yeah on Instagram and feel free to shoot me a message and I love connecting with people and I've had a couple I've been fortunate enough to have a well not really fortunate That's a weird way to say it but people who have been through and since I've broken my neck people who have broken their neck just because they've heard of my story like I've been able to reach out and help them talk through it because I've I've lived it I've been through the hospital been through the rehab you know I know what you're going through so don't hesitate to reach out. I love chatting about these sorts of things. And if I can give you any advice, that'd be awesome.
0: That's really generous, Jay. Thank you for, uh, thank you for making yourself available. And thanks for being on this podcast today. Really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you. Have right.
0: Thank you for joining another episode of the kick aspirational podcast. You know, the most important thing to remember is this is not a spectator sport. What I'm deeply interested is hearing about your stories and answering your questions What does your life look like? What are you trying to accomplish? What are the barriers that you're trying to break through? Because at the end of the day, the Kick Aspirational podcast is about helping people break through barriers of their own. I'd love to hear what you're working on. I'd love to join you in your battles. And most importantly, whatever you do today, please, among all other things, be Kick Aspirational.